if you are transparent with yourself, things change a lot. Welcome to Creating Wellness Moments, the podcast where we dive into the depths of the human psyche, self-discovery, and personal growth. I'm Calvin Wong, your host and fellow explorer on this journey towards mental well-being. Join me as we uncover inspiring stories, expert insights, and practical tips to cultivate a healthier and happier life. Get ready to embark on a transformative experience one episode at a time. Let's create wellness moments together. Hello and welcome to the Creating Wellness Moments. Today we have a special guest, Dr. Priyanka Sarkar, a sports psychologist. She helps athletes achieve their peak mental performance and she has an unwavering dedication not only to her profession but also to her athletes. And she's been on the publications such as the Sports Column, as well as the Sportsology podcast, and I'm sure many others. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Karen. It's been an honor to, have, uh, to be able to talk to you once again. And thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, that pleasure is all mine. And just for the listeners here and the viewers who, who are not really sure, can you just explain what the difference between the sports psychologist and a regular psychologist is? So psychology is, uh, in layman's terms, psychology is the perception of behavior. So if it's an organizational psychology, it is the perception of uh, a human being in an organizational space, like an individual in an organizational space. And counseling psychology, clinical psychology are different uh, branches of uh, psychology. And sports psychology is one such branch which uh, works specifically on the athletes for their mental well-being and performance enhancement uh, to keep themselves fit and fine uh, psychologically and emotionally on the court and off the court. So the population is specifically the athletic population for sports psychology. Okay, yeah, thanks so much for explaining that. Sounds like in terms of sports psychology, you have a little bit of extra layer on top uh, on top of their own individualism, but also taking into the aspect of how uh, whatever specific sport they play and how that has an impact on them, uh, not only in in the court, uh, but as well as in the personal lives. Absolutely, because uh, if you give and take, unless you're a Cristiano Ronaldo or a Serena Williams or a Roger Federer, you cannot play beyond your 40 years. And now we know that athletes, not every athlete plays until he or she is 40. So let's say they pick up the sport around five or six years and they're playing until 40 years, but because not everybody is playing the sport until then. So on an average, an athlete's life uh, career span is 20 to 25 years, depending on the sport he or she is playing. But the rest of the years, like say uh, the career, I mean the life, Lifespan is now around. It has been increasing over uh, over the period of time due to technology and advancement of uh, medical um, medicine that's uh, available. So, the rest thirty to forty years they have to live as individuals. So, how you are off the track as an individual reflects your performance on the track. Like those times when you have to be patient, you have to be uh, you have to be you have to practice perseverance. These all come from just not being as a player on the court, but as an individual, how you overcome your life situations. Like if you are a team player and if you are not being given a chance to perform in the, you are not given a spot in the team for a match, how you uh, evaluate that and how you overcome that situation or how you perceive that situation also throws a light on your behavior on the track. Now, there is an individual and there's an athlete who might think it's a challenging issue and might just uh, put more hours of practice and work hard and prove himself. Or there might be another athlete who goes into a dark space and thinks, oh my God, I'm going to take revenge. So your off-court behavior is what will reflect in your on-court performance when you are performing. So sports psychology is not about just motivation and confidence like everybody thinks, okay, the coach says you can do it and... You, you cannot just do it. It is, an in, it is something that is inbuilt uh, through psychological skills training, mental skills training. And this also plays a more important role when you are not performing on the court or who you are as an athlete. So that is uh, what sports psychology in broad means, actually. 
Yeah, thank you for the in-depth explanation. And I just kind of want to touch a little bit about uh, how you spoke on this holistic approach. And in terms of the relationship between like the mind-body connection, how would you say that uh, affects in sports and even for us in a daily life? Uh, when we talk about well-being, eight people out of 10 people consider that we are talking about physical well-being. They do not even consider that we are talking about emotional well-being or uh, social well-being. But uh, again, you just do not become a successful athlete with not, without having those mental skills or psychological skills or emotional intelligence for that matter. And that is uh, why a holistic approach is uh, required. So most of the times what happens is when you ask any athlete what their goals are, nobody will just say, I want to watch the sunset with my family. That is not their goal, though given their you know, schedules, side schedules on the road, on the tour, they would just love to have them some time for themselves. But they would say, I want to win these many tournaments. I want to tour uh, these many countries and win these many medals. But nobody is just going to say, I just want to uh, go sit and have a cup of coffee with my family and watch the sunset or the sunrise. Because their uh, goals are specifically for the uh, technical or the performance uh, area. They're not talking about their psychological uh, well-being or goals. And nobody says, okay, I just want to uh, have a goal for my emotional well-being. It is very rare that people say that. Uh, that is because not many people understand the importance of their own emotions. They think, okay, once I just, let's say an athlete is winning back to back, he wouldn't need a psychologist. Then. This is a big myth, okay, if I, ha I, I have to say this. They think uh, a sports psychologist is a magician with a green wand. He can just uh, he can just do wonders for you overnight. So most of the times they come to a sports psychologist uh, like a day before the match or hours before the match. I know the sports psychologist cannot do anything except for write some self-talk affirmations or positive affirmations. It is uh, what people fail to understand is how you take time to train your biceps or your triceps. It also takes time for you to develop your emotional and mental uh, skills. So at the same time around that you start working on your physical skills, you also have to start working on your psychological skills for that for a, a holistic well-being. If I have to say, uh, you're working only on one aspect and you're not working on another aspect, you all of a sudden you are thrown into an environment which you're not familiar with. It is not your tactical skill that is going to take you from there on. It is your emotional and uh, psychological skills of grit and determination and confidence that is going to take you a little further. And unfortunately, we miss this part. So uh, that is where we lack and that is where we should be improving to have a holistic well-being. I should mention this to you. I, I work with an athlete who's turned 20 this year. He came to me, he was doing good, and I asked him, why do you want to do, work with a sports psychologist? This question I ask everybody. And everybody says, I'm feeling nervous, I'm feeling afraid, or I'm feeling anxious before matches. But this athlete said, I know I am good, but I want to be the best, and so I want to work with a sports psychologist. And that is an athlete who has his heart, mind, and soul in the right place, giving priorities to his holistic well-being. And that is very rare of uh, someone you see of that age or someone who has that importance for his mental well-being. Yeah, it's, it's really nice to see that uh, at least there's um, a few people, especially in the younger generation, that are... Um, taking upon themselves to take on this holistic approach and they understand it's not only a physical sport but a mental one as well and I would say especially in sports handling pressure you know in that kind of space is, is quite difficult and yeah. we all have our own mental stresses is there any kind of strategies that we all could benefit from to manage stress and anxiety I'll have to uh, specify the importance of relaxation techniques and breathing exercises like everybody else. But I'll also give you the reason why these techniques work. Maybe then uh, the audience would understand why these are of utmost importance or why these are uh, time and again uh, mentioned as the go-to exercises. 
So your brain has uh, any human brain has 86 billion neurons. So it they continuously work together to make neural connections and to pass signals to and fro. And now, way back, the Egyptians thought that the brain was uh, a vestigial organ. And when they were mummifying the bodies, they would pull out the brain from the nostrils because they thought it was of no importance. And from there to here today, where we are working specifically on this organ to create wonders in various spaces of uh, various fields of work, we have come a long way. And now uh, the brain keeps working on various signals that it receives. But now imagine, uh, did you try wishing your friends on December 31st at 12 midnight when you were like enthusiastic team? Uh, you would not be able to uh, reach out to your friend. If you try calling them, it will say, no, the server is busy. Or if you try dropping a message, it's still, you cannot, uh, the message cannot be delivered at midnight noon. At least in India, uh, let's say I try calling my friend on a January 10th at 12 o'clock in the night, the call goes just like this. But on December 31st, 12 midnight, I'm trying to call my friend no, it's not happening because everybody is trying to call their loved ones. And that is what uh, the network is jammed. Now, that is what exactly happens when your brain is receiving those many signals around. So you have to relax your brain for it to only absorb useful emotions or useful signals and discard the unnecessary signals. So let's say you are walking on the street and you have a destination to go. And your brain absorbs uh, the bus signals, the horns, or somebody shouting with their promos. And then there's a school bus going around with children, and the children are singing songs. But your focus is to go to your destination, and you have to follow the map in your hand. Now the brain has to pick up that particular signal, which is, okay, take Calvin to the destination that he or she he has to go inside. And the rest disregard. So when the brain how does the brain pick up only those necessary signals when you're when there are 86 billion neurons that are working and this is exactly why we need relaxation techniques and breathing exercises so that the brain is not processing on any information it is relaxing itself and it will only pick up those emotions or signals that it wants to pick or you are sending it so these are two techniques that uh, we generally follow and I go a step ahead and ask my athletes if they're going around or traveling elsewhere. I ask them to taste one cuisine, local cuisine, one, uh, every tournament that they go, they have to taste one local cuisine to understand its flavors, which will, which the brain will try to decipher. And there the emotional intelligence is increasing. And I also suggest that they should walk 10 minutes barefoot because they have to also experience new sensations and these will all help when you're visualizing so there is every there is a reason behind everything you know as as they say there is a season under for every activity under the heaven there is a reason for every psychological skill or everything that we as psychologists or sports psychologists ask to practice for relaxation so if i have to specify why relaxation techniques and breathing techniques this is the reason and walking barefoot, you know, tasting new cuisine, writing journal. You know, write, people do not know the reason why they write journals. It is so that you can just bring out the emotions in you. Uh, I put them on paper so that you're expanding your emotional intelligence. So it is just not a venting. It might feel like a venting out, but everything that you are trying to do is try to increase your, uh, expand your emotional intelligence. And that is the science behind uh, the secret behind a successful thing, if I may have to say. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the explanation there. And in terms of just breathing exercises, I would say there, there's quite a bit of resources out there. Is there a particular one that you would recommend that people could just do, I guess, when they're in a state of anxiety and they could just quickly just want to get out of it? Diaphragmatic breathing exercises is what I always tell them. And then I also suggest they, uh, they practice Tai Chi every day. And then uh, I've also read a book. So I uh, give them specific time seconds as how much they have to inhale for and how much they have to exhale for. Exhale for. Say I say inhale for 0.3 seconds or exhale for 0.2 seconds. 
and so at least they have only eight or uh, you know eight respirations during a minute and there is a science behind it i read a book uh, i forgot the name of the book and uh, there is a science behind it why we ask why i ask for athletes to do that so when they are you know inhaling for a specific period of time and exhaling for a specific period of time they're allowing their lungs to expand and allowing the lungs to accept more oxygen which is helpful for them to expand their uh, brain functions as well so i go by 3 to 3 uh, to 2 on diaphragmatic breathing okay yeah excellent thanks for sharing that and there's definitely a technique that i'll be trying I do do some breathing exercises and and meditation here and there, um, but that's something I would like to incorporate. Um, in terms of just resilience in life, uh, I would say you know I, I know your personal journey hasn't been an easy one. So if you're a little bit able to share a little bit about that and how uh, you built your own personal resilience and how others can do the same as well. Thank you. You know, you know much uh, than everybody else. So, without going to deeper details, I feel everything is a choice between right and wrong. So, you know what is right. You know what is wrong. You know what you can control and what you cannot control. When your uh, directions are clear, when your choices are clear, the path will come and make itself. I, at least, I believe that. I'm a physiotherapy graduate. I've told you this many times, and uh, I also told you about my friend whose mother, I'm sorry, whose father passed away with cancer. And then when I didn't see her for a week, uh, I said, uh, "You haven't, I haven't seen you for seen you at office." And she said, "My father passed away." I said, "I'm sorry, I did not know this." And Yashwanti says, uh, "It's okay, Pri, you didn't know. I take Yashwanti's name wherever I go because it is that young lady." Who gave me a new lease of career just by that word? It's okay, pre you didn't know. Then I went back thinking, would there had there been anything that I would have done had I known? So that kept me thinking, thinking, and then I knew I had a choice because by then I just completed my masters, and so if if I knew, I just am a psychologist and I can give her an emotional support in a way uh, if she wanted someone to listen to her. so it's always a choice i it's always a choice and those conversations and influences that people make on you uh, that you can decide what you want to be i uh, so when yashwanti said it's okay free you didn't know that changed my course of life then i was watching roland garros and uh, rafa nadal winning uh, roland garros for the 10th time or 11th time now there are many players who play grand slams and they win maybe 10 grand slams people win don't uh, there are many players who play tennis and they don't even win grand slams but there was this particular man who's won one trophy uh, right now he's won it 14 times so when i was watching tennis it was the 11th time he was playing and winning and the commentators kept saying they kept using words like mental toughness resilience and champions mindset so i want and i they kept ringing in my mind and i went back and searched psychology in the field of tennis because i wanted to try something in the field of tennis for my love towards tennis and then popped up sports psychology and i did my certification and today i have been fortunate enough to make that career choice which i love to wake up every day in the morning and make a difference in somebody else's perception of living life or making their choices of to be a winner or to be just a standby and be a cheerleader so there are uh, there are challenges across uh, calvin i wouldn't uh, throw light on just my challenge but for somebody as a female uh, i'm not against i'm all for gender equality uh, i am not uh, something who says okay women are higher or men are higher no it's equal yeah equal in everything uh, but we are different in you know our physical experiences but cerebrally we are all equal and there might be highs and lows with iqs but how we approach problems is what differentiates us but if i have to speak about the female sports psychology or sports psychologists what we face is not what my male counterpart faces so i have to step out face gender discrimination subtle sexual discrimination or sexual passes under, under like they don't we, we do not even consider them under 
until and after we have gone through it and then something kicks okay my god it is not appropriate he's not doing it to somebody else he's not passing on those comments to somebody else so until it is done we are not sure, we are not even aware that it has happened so i always tell this my male counterpart goes onto the field makes a difference and comes back and his job ends there but me and my other female colleagues we have to go through these various discriminations and the first thing that uh, they ask with all due respect to them those who ask us the question are you married or would you be allowed to travel if you are married i do not think anybody would ask my male counterpart if his partner is okay him traveling across uh, round the tour so these are certain things of sexist uh, discrimination sexism and discrimination that we have to face we'll not even talk about pay uh, discrimination because it also uh, it in sport it depends on various factors how much are the stakeholders investing how much money they are making but these are certain things that we can control if you do not ask me about whether my partner will be okay if i have to travel because you don't ask my male counterpart that do not pass on this uh, soft sexist comments because you do not do it to your male counterpart respect me the same way you would respect a male counterpart and there that's a beautiful this is a beautiful field where we can all work together for a common purpose if we take off this disparities it's a beautiful field to work so somebody uh, it it takes a lot of courage to stand up stand up and try to tell people it is not right we are slowly getting there but there's a lot of work that needs to be done and it I, when i speak this i just don't speak for, from my personal experiences but i also speak from the stories that i've heard and i have uh, heard from people from my close quarters or uh, how they had to give up their careers in this field because of what they have been facing which is quite unfortunate i would say yeah i'm really sorry to hear that in, in such a day and age that we're still suffering these kind of inequalities um especially in the workplace um being in the especially in the profession that you're in uh that yeah. makes it you know ex- even more extreme in that sense and because uh, our workspace is the track or the court or uh, the field so we do not have designed workspaces like everybody else so these discriminations do not happen in a confined workspace like for other organizational workplace harassments or sexual harassments it is just like a wrong touch or a wrong pass and an intentional one an unintentional one trust me a woman is wise enough to understand what's a, an intentional touch and an intentional touch but under the disguise of it's just was a sports gesture because we do not have designed workspaces where we work from uh, unfortunately it is brushed off under the carpets and behind the curtains so that's quite unfortunate that's happened but yes once we have those voices coming up and putting a stop like we also need our male counterparts help and support as much as we uh, would want to be strong unless we have support it is difficult and it is going to be one man's battle also uh, hopefully we'll get there soon. Yeah, absolutely. I hope so too. And uh, just one of the takeaways I would say from just you sharing that um you know, the struggles you have especially in the workplace, it is very unfortunate. However, it kind of goes back to also having that mindset and being that having that mindfulness of, you know, yeah. where you stand and uh what you're looking to achieve and just kind of I guess when we always zoom out we get a clearer picture of you know how things are actually are instead of being caught up in our own tiny world of uh you know negative feelings for a lack of better words is that correct yes there is always a pain attached uh, to an unfortunate situation now there are eight primary emotions uh, anger anticipation joy trust fear sadness surprise and disgust and these uh, eight primary emotions have opposite emotions like for happiness it is uh, for sad it is happiness and no human being can do uh, can face two emotions at a single point in time so how you manage your emotions also describes how you handle a situation 
resilience and that mindset that would not uh, let you suffer if i may have to use the word so how you perceive that situation is dependent broadly on the kind of emotions that you are going through so something unfortunate is ha has happened you feel sad you feel disgust or you feel angry based upon your reaction to it and how you react and, and the immediate first i call it first information reaction like you have a certain response and you have a this given situation and how you react to it is immediately you know that results in an action but if you can just pause for a minute and try to understand what you are going through what is the kind of emotion that you are going through that will help you will broaden your channel choices of actions that you have to go through so let me pick up this example uh, uh, so there is an athlete who's uh, supposed to be playing a match but his junior was given an option to play and the coach has sidelined the athlete because of favoritism now the athlete can be angry the athlete can be surprised the athlete can be sad the athlete can be disgusted with the coach's action and he can be he can be uh, even thinking oh my god i anticipated this so now he has for every reaction and for every emotion that he is going through he will think about an action now if he's angry he'll think okay oh, okay now i'm going to punch the coach in the gut or i'll show him who he is i've anticipated this so it pains a little less so let me wait and watch how this match will pan if i will be called as a, you know a substitute in half of the game or the coach must have had other plans of not bringing me to the game sad you'll sit and sulk and if you're just not so sad if you're optimistic or you're just surprised you'll think okay let me see how this match is going to go without me performing and now for every reaction that you for every emotion that you're going you either want to punch the coach or you want to wait and watch or you want to just uh, help and cheer your team members now if you step back like these are the emotions that you're going to just take a step back now you have a chance to pick up one emotion which will help you with the end reaction and now this is exactly where mindfulness comes into picture and your resilience of your character of all the psychological skills that you are trained for come into place now you step uh, take a step back you are mindful of the situation you know what the coach is you know that okay there, there has been injustice done to you but you know this cannot happen for long your chance will come and you are being in the present now you are letting go of the anger you are letting go of the disgust and then you take an action which is not harming your future but you are being careful you are being in the present which is all about mindfulness now after being in the present you just soak in that and then take a step back you already come this far three steps of being resilient already so now you'll think you'll go back to the gym you'll work out you'll hone on your skills and think even if the coach wants to select other player because i am already training and there is no denial that i'm uh, i am the best i will eventually get picked up and you are not giving up so you already come past four steps and now we are just not being mindful but you are also being resilient and you are building up a mindset which is a growth mindset if you have been fixed at the very first step you'll go and punch the coach and that's it your career is done you're banned but you come this far you've grown from that uh, emotion to here which is a big step and that is just resilience nothing when we talk about these words like resilience or a mental toughness it is just a nothing but your reaction to a given stimulus and how you act upon it so that is all and just an example how you can build resilience and how you can stay mindful so that you do not harm yourself in the longer run hey there amazing listeners Before we dive deeper in today's insightful conversation, I want to take a quick moment to give a shout out to the driving force behind this podcast, my very own mental health focused creative production agency, Calvin Wong Media. As you know, creating wellness moments is all about exploring the depths of the human psyche and fostering personal growth. And guess what? It would not be possible if it were not for Calvin Wong Media. 
We conceptualize, humanize, and bring your story to life using unique storytelling techniques that engages the audience. So, the next time you're inspired by an episode or find yourself engaged in a thought-provoking conversation here, remember, that's the result of the support of Calvin Wong Media and its lovely kinds. If you're looking to amplify your message, tell your story with authenticity, and connect with your audience on a deeper level, reach out to us at calvinwongmedia.com. Now back to the conversation on creating wellness moments. Yeah, thank, thank you for sharing that. Just, um, I just wanted to speak a little bit about my personal experience and um, some viewers might also have this thought where, um, you know, in the past I have been quite depressed and you end up in this place where you're a little bit, I would say like for lack of a better term, let's just call it darkness and you're very stuck on these emotions of uh, sadness and, you know, being depressed and uh, you're almost kind of letting this run your life. And you're kind of, uh, you know, you want to feel those emotions almost in, in a way, if that makes sense. And yeah. you're really caught up in just allowing that emotion to, to run your life instead of trying to escape and be happy. I mean, not to say that people who are depressed don't want to be happy, but there there's a bit of uh, indulgence in, in that depression or sadness. Mm-hmm. And what would you yeah. say is a, a good way to kind of get out of that, that headspace. Kevin, thank you for bringing this up and with your own personal story, because you mentioned two words, sadness and depression. Now, you were clear it was a depression, but many people, what happens is they use sadness and depression synonymously. Sadness is just an emotion. Let's say you want an ice cream to eat. You so badly want to eat an ice cream. Uh, but it's pouring outside, your refrigerator is empty and you do not have an ice cream and the delivery guys can't get it for you and you can't step out of your house. There is a pinch of sadness that you cannot eat an ice cream because you so much are craving for it or longing for it. But now that is not depression. Depression is a medical health condition which builds up on various factors over a period of time and those all build up uh, and they come out as depression and the best way the first way to be uh, to cure depression is medical treatment counseling uh, psychotherapy art therapy they all come at a later point in time but because depression is a mental health condition your first uh, step should be to see a psychiatrist or a clinical psychologist better even psychiatrist who can re- prescribe you medicines the same way you would take care of an ulcer, if you get an ulcer uh, in your stomach, your stomach is burning, but you do not think, okay, uh, let me wait until the New Year's, let me eat this chicken or let me eat this curry and then go and see a doctor. No, you do not do that. You rush to a doctor because it is the ulcer is killing your, your happiness. It's killing your uh, response to enjoy chicken. The same way you should be treating a mental health condition as well and see a psychiatrist who can cure you of it. And when you said there is uh, an indulgence in pain, I totally get it. Because we are so immersed in that pain, we make it our comfort zones. We do not want to come out of the comfort zone. The darkness, you use the word darkness. Darkness is nothing but your comfort zone. But you, you know that there's bright light somewhere else, which all you need to do is step out of the house. But because you made it your comfort zone, you do not feel like coming out. But at that point in time, take one step at a time. You know, while you are taking medication, uh, it is all for those who are listening. Take up art, take up uh, some sport, at least not for us together. Start as small as possible. Maybe five minutes a day, draw, even if it's a mad line that you're drawing, just draw on a paper. You don't need to be a Leonardo. I'm sorry, Leonardo da Vinci, you know, you don't need to be Leonardo da Vinci, the world's famous painter. All you're just trying to do is draw some lines to keep your mind away from the pain and take one step away from the darkness. Now, I suggest people to take up art. And when I was myself in a sad phase uh, and I was not able to get up from my bed, I thought, this is not me. Me not. Able. I am a very early riser. I round, wake up around four o'clock or five o'clock in the morning. 
but once i went into a not so healthier space i started waking up late and my family was uh, worried so i thought okay now i have a chance a choice to wake to wake up at 4 o'clock or to slog and sulk until 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock but i knew that if i woke up at 4 o'clock i can freshen up i can have my breakfast whatsoever and i can still sleep i can take a break and i can wake up at 4 o'clock finish of everything by 6 o'clock i can take a nap and then still wake up at 9 o'clock which means i'm not making a big a big change to everything here i'm just taking a small step by making a choice so the first step to come out of that anguish or pain or the dark space is to be able to make a choice and when because it affects the depression works on your emotional state it is different or difficult to make a choice but you you have a purpose you know if you think okay i want to get out of this i love this comfort my the pain and darkness are my comforts but if i can just come out and there's a bright space and bright uh, brighter purpose that's awaiting me if you can just make the choice uh, then art or anything is just a way to get in get out of your dark space and get into a better place but nothing beats medication i would say nothing for depression and other conditions it is medication first yeah i would say yeah so many times we're caught up in this uh especially with the hustle culture kind of social media that we've been seeing lately that we have to think about doing all these grandiose things in order to actually change your life when it all really just is be mindful again <laughs> to just take the first step and uh you know making the conscious choice to say yes uh the darkness is my comfort zone however i don't want to be there anymore and i want to make my life better and to do that is just starting off even 5 minutes a day to you know even get out for a walk for example <laughs> and that's really that's yeah yes that it is all the small steps that make a bigger uh, that help you reach your destination and when you said the grandeur of social media Britney Spears is going through a bad time, and she says, uh, "My life is not how her Instagram handle looks like." So this is a, a a path that we are taking off late. Or the social media is grand; it is uh, luxurious. It is all healthy, happy, something envious that everybody would want you to uh, want to have. And your personal life is just apples and oranges from your social media life. Uh, that. is putting a pretentious uh, face for somebody whom you do not even know you don't have to be like that if you are transparent with yourself things change a lot so now you are trying to put up a face for the social media but you are you know you are you are suffering big time you are not doing any uh, justice to the justice to yourself so when you mention social media grandeur yes it is sometimes it is unnecessary that we do this i do not know why people have two different lives one on social media and one in personal life but if you can just be as luxurious and as grand in, in your personal life as well nothing beats that you know these small steps like seeing a specialist when you need one taking five or uh, minutes walk every day for your own mental well being they do wonders and so you need not then you can proudly say my personal life is just as my instagram life is so hopefully uh, those who are listening to that to this podcast can try be uh, try taking care of their mental well being as well the same way they take care of your social media life <laughs> yeah and just in terms of touching on that and linking visualization and you know how how that affects your life and if there's any merit into actually visualizing and uh you know how how does that contribute in terms of making your uh, mental well-being better if it does <laughs> it does uh, i've been uh, i have i work with a variety of techniques and first thing that we do is we start off on various techniques and then we slowly bring to come to visualization so visualization is you trying you to send your brain signals of what you want or how it should function in a given situation so let's say my athlete is a race track uh, uh, driver so he 
or racist and uh, i told him because they the day might be cloudy or it might be rainy or it might be sunny you cannot control the weather but what you can control is how you race the car in spite of the unpredictable weather conditions so your weather might be anything but you will just blindfold yourself and try visualizing how you want to race on the track now we also added another element now he he's not the only one who's racing on the track there are other 10 20 cars that are racing so how do we create that sound so i told him uh, put up some video of uh, your race track and put because they're already blindfolded you cannot see the video but you can listen to the original race track sound and now you will have to visualize how you want to drive because the race track is a very fast race uh, environment and you are just taking laps within seconds and now the weather is unpredictable and this he is practicing mentally to uh, race his car in unpredictable unseen unheard circumstances so he's training his brain how the brain should work in such situations when they are not in favor of him and so he's mentally ready for the track now so if i have to tell him okay now just go and practice or go and just go on the track he is ready because he's mentally been preparing himself visualization visualization is just not but nothing but you're just trying to help your brain work on its memory so that it can it can just automatically and spontaneously know how to react in a given situation because it has piled up a memory bank of memories and situations through visualization so if you just relate it to the personal life as well uh i do this i do visualization just for other reasons and i see a lot of change in the way i perceive a situation to be so when i am thrown at a situation i know what it might be or i'm not surprised because i've already visualized it i'm not sitting in visualization visualizing happy uh, situations as if I'm, i'm going to be the president of india definitely not but there are certain situations where i'm visualizing as how i have to react in a given situation so when i when that situation is brought front of me i'm not alarmed or not surprised but i am prepared so visualization prepares you for what you know might happen but you do not see when it is coming so visualization helps a lot can yeah thank you for sharing that from your personal experience as well as uh, in a scientific standpoint where visualization actually triggers some of the same mental neurons that you would if you were to do it in real life is that correct yes yes yeah so up until this point i would say we've spoken a lot about more or less the, the individual journey uh of one's mental health or well-being uh even physical performance but now i just want to touch on how like in terms of community and and having influence from others and how that could impact your well well-being or personal health uh let's say i first speak about the athletes because they are the ones who are always on road away uh most of the times from their families and that is the time where an athlete support system like his coach or uh, his uh, support staff is traveling with him give him the emotional and social support that he requires during those tough times of being on the road consistently so if you take tennis uh, the season starts from australian open january and it ends from the grand slams complete at us open which will happen in august september or october and then there is atp nitro finals which is in december so hardly october november are the off seasons for a tennis player which means out of a given 56 or 50 56 weeks that we have got right 54 weeks so a tennis player is out with out and away from his family for at least 48 to 50 weeks and now imagine the kind of pressure the loneliness the sadness of not being able to share his uh, triumphs or failures and having to absorb all of them alone would create a um, on a, a athlete so there that's a that's a a way a very heavier mental burden than anything else it's just not uh, okay let's say that athlete has lost a match 
who he can all do all he can do is just pick up a phone and say oh my god i lost a match but imagine having a coach or a support staff next to him who can just have those conversations sometimes it, the telephonic conversations don't work the way the human conversations work so during those times is how is when the social support system comes into place and uh, into fore and plays an important role and now coming into civilian population human beings are social animals there's no denying it no matter how uh, in a world that has technology and everything advanced we still crave for that human uh, connection or a human conversation uh, i told you i must have told you this or not i'm not sure during the pandemic every person adopted a pet because just to have the social connection like to have a, a conversation and uh, the unfortunate part is most of them also have abandoned their pets after the pandemic it's the most cruel side but if we look at how the pandemic has changed our uh, connections or social uh, connectivity importance i'll have to bring the importance that we have as a community just not for one person but for each other when i say community that uh, work do not you do not have to sit in flush uh, hotels or beaches and sit and talk about everything just say hi to your neighbor just uh, drop in and say uh, hi uh, to somebody who's just moved into a community and there might be many differences but you know you might have be having your own challenges in life they might be having their own challenges in life but a simple hi is how it all starts and you will be surprised how difference uh, they can make in your social intelligence uh, because my only one conversation with yashwanti has changed my life and today she stays somewhere away from the limelight and today i am here making uh, a little difference to one athlete at a time so that was just because of a simple hi she needn't uh, do all that she had to do for me but she did it out of my, out of her uh, empathy for a fellow human being and it's been 9 years now and she still tries to push me every day just because we decided to say hi in the first place so that is the importance a community can have on an individual and how a support system can work wonders for an athlete as well yeah that's it's very beautiful and yeah, i really appreciate you sharing that uh, so in terms of just what i've taken from from our our conversation today is you know just having the mindfulness and the mindset can make a world of difference as well as the small gestures and the small things you do are the ones that really make the big impact for example um today we wouldn't be speaking if you didn't decide to reach out to me on linkedin and we had a yeah. pleasant conversation and one thing leads to another and uh, we're able to have this chat today and share uh, you know some of your experiences in order to better other you know individuals as well so before we take off i just wanted to ask if there's kind of any empowering messages that individuals can take if they may be struggling with mental health or stigmas that uh, that comes along with it people might think mental health is a myth the first myth that people think is mental health is a myth but it is not it is a reality given the you know in the beginning when god created man and woman uh, it was just right or wrong there was nothing behind it or there was no shades of anything else it was right or wrong but our perception of how uh, what right and wrong has brought in 50 shades of gray in between so for people uh, eve eating the fruit of wisdom is not wrong she because the satan has tempted her but if you look at it right now in this world people would say there are there is a section of people who says you has been the target because she was a female and she has been wrongly targeted now you are bringing a whole different angle to it because of your perception to the incident but there were times when just everything was right and wrong now adding 50 shades of gray to it in between brings 50 different perceptions and 50 different uh, causes and reactions now if you can just pause for a minute i understand the anger i understand every emotion 
But if you can just pause for a minute and if you can uh, not react to the first information, you know, first information that you get at hand, take a deep breath and step back and be mindful, there'll be, you can almost solve everything. And those that you cannot solve, which are like mental health disorders, I, I'm, and I'm, I'm afraid to use the word disorder, but I would just say condition which requires treatment, and like dyslexia, OCD, ADHD, uh, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, depression, just go and get diagnosed instead of going and you know, watching YouTube or Google. Unless you are diagnosed properly by a licensed psychologist or a licensed psychiatrist, you cannot allow yourself to be called that, nor does anybody have a right to call you that. So once you are sure of your diagnosis, you have already come that far. It's just only a little further that you can completely get back to your normalcy. So I emphasize on the importance of diagnosis and medication. And it all it takes is just one step to acknowledge that there is a problem and you are willing to make that change to get rid of the problem. And my favorite sentence is you do not come this far only just to come this far. So uh, that is what I wake up every day with. So I, I'm not alien to the challenges. I do have my own challenges. So I think Priyanka, you have come this far only to come this far. That's just another day you have to wake up and just do your best. So if you can have that mindset and if you can just have that approach towards life, accepting and then working on it, life will be for the best and uh, things will change drastically. Yeah, th thank you for uh, encouraging everyone just to take the first step and small steps and be more mindful today. And yeah, I really appreciate you coming on to share your knowledge and insights. And yeah, so yeah, I just want to close out to say, you know, let's start creating more wellness moments together. Thank you so much for coming yeah. on the show. Thank you, Kalu. Thank you for the opportunity. Bye-bye.